You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. I want to welcome you to our home. And this is really representative of the fact that we want to invite God into our homes. God wants to come into your home. God wants you to be where He is. We are beginning a brand new series based on the book, Teach Us to Pray, which we produce right here at Victory Church. And we're going to be going on a prayer adventure. And the first priority in prayer is to press in to God, to really want to be where He is. So be a part of this. You can find the book uh, in digital format at getvictory.net slash pray. And if you need a hard copy, let us know. Email me at pastored at getvictory.net, and we'll be glad to get one of these to you. We know that these next four weeks, spending at least five days a week in prayer and then being part of a weekend worship service will transform your life. And we're believing that God's going to transform our region, our nation, as the people of God pray. Speaking of being at home, uh, on September 11th, 2001, I was at home sick, literally sick with a high fever. And I remember lying on the couch that morning watching Good Morning America, and they were reporting on a fire in one of the towers at the World Trade Center. And from what I remember, it seems like the speculation was that maybe a small plane had flown into the building. But while I was watching the reporting, I saw in that live coverage uh, another aircraft come into the picture. And at first, I thought it was probably a news helicopter, but then as it circled around, went uh, around the edge of the picture, it came back in and crashed into the building. And in that moment, I and all of America knew that it was intentional that we were under attack. And so I, from that point on, was not just sick physically, but I was sick emotionally and spiritually. In fact, all of America was in turmoil. There was a lot of pain associated with that. And I knew that as a pastor, I needed to come up with a word from God. Not that I needed to come up with one as much as I needed to get a word from God that I can convey to the people. So happened that that weekend, we had a guest speaker scheduled, and I didn't cancel our guest speaker, but I knew I needed to take some time. And the message that I share was very, very short of necessity, but probably some of the best messages are the shortest ones. And the word from God was this, it's time to seek the Lord. I didn't believe that God had call, caused that, that tragedy, but I believe that God could use it. And I believe it's the same right now, that God didn't cause the calamity, the tragedy that we're going through as a nation, in fact, that we're going through throughout the world. But God will use it. And I believe the message is the same. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. The passage that I used that Sunday in September of 2001 
contains a verse that's very familiar. A lot of people uh, memorize this verse. It is probably one of the most quoted verses in all the Bible, and that's Jeremiah 29, 11. But around that verse are some other verses that I think are vital for us to fully appropriate Jeremiah 29, 11. So let's begin with Jeremiah 29, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Verse 13, I think, is so key. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile." God is telling us that it's time to seek Him. We have to seek His face. And I don't believe that we're going to be in lockdown or exile for 70 years. I believe the end of this season will come a lot sooner for us than it did for Israel in the setting of Jeremiah 29. But I believe also, like Israel, that we, in the midst of calamity, are being directed to expect good things from the Lord, hope and a future. God has good things in store for you and for me, just like he did for Israel. But we have to recognize our responsibility in this season. And our responsibility is this, to seek God, to seek God. Israel had one job with regard to being in the center of God's will and stepping into the blessing, into the future, into the hope that He had for them, and that was to seek God. And that's what we're doing over these next four weeks. We're taking the time to seek God. And that's why the first step in any growth in prayer is to press into the presence of God. That's our job right now. That's our number one job. We can think of a lot of things that we ought to be doing, that we need to be doing as a church, but we could do all those things to no avail if we do not first seek the face of God, seek the presence of God. So that's our job. What does prayer mean for us? Why should we pray? Number one, we pray, we seek God because we're hungry for God's presence. We want God. We want to know Him. We want to invite Him into our living rooms. We want to be in that place of real relationship, real intimacy with God. We know that prayer brings the presence and the power of God. And when we're going through trials, that's all the more reason to pray because prayer will bring the presence and power of God in such a way that it will change circumstances. God is able to do miracles still when we pray, when we seek His face and pray. And I believe that not only will God change your circumstances on an individual or family basis, I believe that prayer changes nations. 
Prayer brings awakenings. Prayer brings spiritual revival, which can transform an entire society, an entire culture. And we're believing God for that kind of change. And of course, prayer not only changes your circumstances and can change a nation, prayer will change you. Prayer is the key to getting rid of anxiety. Bring all your needs to God and He'll remove your fear, your anxiety. God wants to give you a future and a hope. And you're going to find that really as you pray, as you seek the face of God. And prayer builds confidence. It builds boldness as you step into the things that God will be leading you into through your prayer life, through your increasingly closely connected relationship with God. It's going to change you. But I think the reason if prayer will do all these things, the reason that we don't pray like we feel like we should, like we maybe know that we should, is because a lot of times we just don't know how to pray. That's why Jesus' own disciples said, teach us to pray. That's why we've named this book and this particular series Teach us to pray. We have to learn how to pray. And Jesus gives us a lot of good ideas. Of course, they're summarized in the Lord's Prayer, which is a summary of of the life that God has for you. Not just how to pray, but how to live life. And it starts with pressing in to God's presence. Now, one of the best teachings on prayer that I ever heard, I still remember it over 30 years later, talked about desire discipline, and delight. The desire to pray, the discipline of prayer, and the delight of prayer. And we have to start with a desire. We need to recognize that prayer is powerful, that it changes nations, it changes circumstances, it changes our lives. Somebody once said that prayer is as powerful as God is because God has chosen to make His power fully available to those who will pray in faith. So there's a lot of reasons to desire to pray. It starts with a desire. If you don't have the desire, you won't really learn, you won't really grow into the kind of prayer life that will change things the way God wants to change things. So we start with a desire, but then we need to move into a season of discipline. We have to add some discipline to our desire, otherwise we'll never grow. Because I don't know if you have noticed, but there are lots of distractions. I even, you know, maybe it's kind of a mistake, but I do my daily Bible reading on the YouVersion app on my iPhone. And you know what else is on the iPhone, right? Yeah, social media and email and everything else. So it's so easy to get distracted. And not only might we be distracted by our phones or social media, but just life in general gets to be distracting. And so we have to be very intentional about setting aside a time and a place to pray. So we have to add discipline. But as we add discipline, we move from the desire and the discipline phase into delight. We never leave behind the discipline, but we get to the point where it's not just discipline. It is a delight to be in the presence of God, a delight to experience the peace and the joy and the love that just comes from knowing that God is 
in me and he's with me and he wants to speak to me and he wants me to speak to him and we can converse with each other. It is a true delight when we reach that stage in prayer. And I believe that God wants to get you there, but it's going to take some learning and it's going to take some discipline before we can all get to where we want to be. But the bottom line is this. God doesn't just want you to pray just because, well, it's a religious or holy thing to do. God wants you to pray because He wants relationship with you. God wants to be in relationship with you. And that's why we, we are called upon, as it says in Jeremiah 29, to seek Him. And here's a great New Testament promise with regard to seeking Him. One of my favorite verses, Hebrews 11:6, where it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek Him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. See, God so much wants relationship with you. God so much wants you to press into His presence. God so much wants you to seek Him that He has promised a great reward. He rewards those who earnestly or diligently seek Him. And God's not just offering some gimmick here. And He's not just trying to entice you with something, offer you something to get you to do something that you ought to do. No, God wants you to know who He is, and who He is by nature is not just God who exists that we also must believe in if we're going to have the kind of faith that pleases God, but we have to believe that He is a rewarder, that He is a rewarding God. It's just part of His nature. He can't help but reward those who earnestly or diligently seek Him. And I know we're not just seeking the reward. That would be wrong, and that's not very relational on our part if we're just seeking some reward of some type. But we are expecting a reward. If you don't expect the reward for diligently seeking Him, you don't really know God as a rewarder. And if you don't really know Him as a rewarder, then we don't have the kind of faith that that pleases Him. So we must, we must expect God to reward us. And He's going to reward us very, very richly. Now, the best thing that He rewards us with is what? His presence. Yeah, again, it's, we're talking about the reward of the presence of God. Now, that means we've got to seek His presence. Seek Him. He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Now, you know, I'm married to Lisa. We've been married for many years now. It just escapes me exactly how many years. Just, you know, so many, they just all run together. But we have a great relationship. But I have to admit, at first, I was very, very reluctant to pursue her. V very reluctant. Why? Because, well, uh, we were in seminary together, and I knew a lot of guys who had their eyes on Lisa. And rightly so. And I knew just as many guys who were very disappointed when Lisa did not have romantic interest in them. And I didn't want to be disappointed. I didn't want to be one of those guys. 
wasn't going to be me. And we had a good friendship. I didn't feel like messing that up. So I was very reluctant to pursue Lisa romantically. But then she was very bold and she gave me more than just some little hint that she liked me. And I won't tell the whole story, but you know, it, it was a, a good little prod for me to then begin to realize I had a chance and it was time for me to pursue. So I pursued Lisa romantically at that point. And can I say, this is where it applies to spirituality and seeking God. God has given you more than just a little hint. God's promised you great reward if you seek Him. That's the thing that He's wanting us to do in this time, in this season, in whatever calamity that we're facing, whether it's a national calamity or whether it's an individual one, because, you know, I don't know if you have noticed this, but calamities of other types didn't stop with coronavirus. So, God wants us to seek Him, and He's given us a hint that He will reward us for doing so. But it's still going to take some effort on our part. We have to expend some energy. We have to be diligent about that. We have to do something to seek God. Lisa recently mentioned that while we were dating that I would regularly go over to her apartment. We lived in the same graduate student housing, so I would go to her apartment and take out her trash. I did that regularly, and 30-something years later, I'm still taking out her trash. But I remember one evening, I had visited Lisa, and I had just gone back to my apartment, opened the door, go in, and the phone rings, and there's Lisa on the phone. And she tells me with all cuteness that I had forgotten something. I had forgotten to take out her trash. And you know what I did? I immediately left my apartment, went back to her apartment to pick up her trash, but I didn't really just go to pick up her trash. I went because I wanted to be near her as much as possible. And of course, now with the coronavirus lockdown, I'm with her all the time. And guess what? It's still good. It's still okay. And God wants us to be in that same mentality where we want to be with him. And we're going to inconvenience ourselves, perhaps, but it will be worth it just to be with God. See, God is a relational God. That's why Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer to start out with this, our Father who is in heaven, who are in heaven. Our Father. It starts out relationally because God is a God of relationship. He wants to be your father in so many ways. And you know what? That means that the reward, while it's primarily the presence of God, goes even beyond the presence of God. God wants to reward you in so many ways. He is indeed a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The greatest reward being God's presence Himself, but so many other. He wants to take care of everything. He loves you so much. He just wants to be a part of every aspect of your life in the good times and in the bad times. And there's a great reward in that. There's great blessing in that. He rewards you in so many other ways. It's no wonder that Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, But seek first His kingdom 
and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. All the material things that so often preoccupy us, things that cause us to worry, if we seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, that is, the, the rule and reign of God in our lives, seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, that is, our right standing with Him, everything else gets taken care of. Everything. That's a pretty awesome promise, isn't it? That's another reason why God wants us to be diligent in seeking Him. See, we want to be so God-centered. We just want to be so focused on the presence of God. We want to learn how to read the Bible on a daily basis and pray on a daily basis, press into God's presence on a daily basis, because the idea is that we get to the point where we're just so connected with God, we just automatically trust that all these things are going to be taken care of. And, of course, the Bible talks about presenting these requests to God, and we're going to be covering that in one of the weeks in this series, Teach Us to Pray, because God wants us to ask for our daily bread. So, expecting daily bread, expecting rewards from God, is a part of seeking Him, putting Him first, seeking Him first. Once a month, I receive a text from one of my daughters. I have two daughters, Haley and Anna, both of whom are in Australia, wrapping up their studies through Hillsong College, and uh, hopefully they'll be soon through with all of that, but they're still over there. Haley right now has her rent paid for by her husband. That's a good thing, but once a month, I receive a text from Anna, the younger daughter, Dad, can you send me the rent money? Dad, can you send me the rent money? <laughs> I think it's uh, pretty interesting that uh, that's just all the texts say. Just, Dad, send me the rent money. And I just gladly do it. Notice it's not, the text doesn't have a lot of fluff. It's like, oh, I love you, Dad. You're the best dad in all the world. I'm so blessed to have a dad like you. You're a wonderful dad. Can you please send the rent money? None of that. Why doesn't she have to do that? Because we already have a loving relationship. We talk quite frequently thanks to FaceTime. And we connect daily by text at least. And we see what's going on in each other's lives through Instagram. And we have a wonderful father-daughter relationship. So she didn't have to put on some kind of song and a dance for me to send the rent money. That's just part of our relationship together. And I believe that that really has an application for our prayer lives as well. Because a lot of times we're afraid to ask for anything from God because we don't have that relational connection in the place that it should be. Not in the priority that it should be. We haven't diligently sought after God. We haven't earnestly sought God. And so then when it comes to asking God for a need, some of these other things that Jesus says we can expect from God, our daily bread, for instance, we feel like we have to add a whole lot of other stuff. And when we start adding a whole lot of other stuff to our relationship with God so that we can prove uh, that maybe we're worthy or we love him enough or we're not 
selfish about this, you know, all these other kinds of things that, that we feel like we have to add on. You know what that is? That's just dead religion. That's just dead religion. And God wants a relationship. And it's the relationship of a loving father with his children. And in that relationship, when we have attended to the relationship properly, and it's time to ask God for something, guess what? We can just ask him. Don't need a lot of fluff. Don't need a lot of religious fanfare. Don't. Sometimes, sometimes uh, the situation is such that all we can do is just say, God, help. And guess what? He's there. And we know he's there because we have already learned how to press into the presence of God. We've already practiced the presence of God on a regular basis. And so we don't have to get religious about it. So for this week, what I want to encourage you to do is seek God. Press into the presence of God. Don't just get through the five days of prayer. And it's great. Again, getvictory.net slash pray. And you can download the book and you can have access to some recorded prayers, one for each day, just a couple of minutes long, that can help jumpstart your own prayer life. And this week, it's not about just getting through that, although I do believe that the discipline attached to your desire to improve your prayer life will benefit you tremendously. But the idea is to press into the presence of God. Seek God while He may be found. I mentioned that in 2001 that I was sick when that tragedy occurred. And uh, of course, I didn't just get well immediately. So I spent a lot of hours over the next couple of days watching the news reports. It, it was terribly burdensome and uh, just tremendous pain associated with that. But I, I remember watching this news segment where a reporter had connected with a little girl maybe 10 years old or something like that. And uh, also uh, with her mom and one of her siblings. And the little girl's parents both worked at the World Trade Center when it crashed, when it fell. And uh, obviously she was with her mother, but they had no way of connecting with her father. They didn't know what had happened. and. The reporter was following this little girl, really focusing on her more than on her mom or on her sibling, and just getting her perspective. And the way the, the, the news piece went, there was a lot of anxiety, even fear, like, oh no, are they going to find this poor little girl's dad? But when the reporter asked the little girl, are you afraid? She said, no, I believe we'll find him. Oh, that was so awesome. But they looked, they looked, they were sent from one place to another. Of course, the scene was chaotic and they would be told to go here. They have some information. They'll be able to tell you about, you know, survivors and that sort of thing. But they got there and it was just as chaotic. And it was just a, a long scene of just, again, anxiety and fear. But as this little girl and her mom and sibling approached a group of people, all of a sudden the little girl yelled, there he is. And it was followed by this glorious reunion of this little girl with her father. And of course, I just had tears running down my face. But in that moment, I felt like God spoke to me. It wasn't audible, but he spoke to me. 
And the words that God spoke to my heart was, you will find the Father if you will seek Him with all your heart. Now's the time to do that. If you are watching this and you don't have a relationship with God as Father, the way that we enter into that relationship is through faith in Jesus. The Son of God, who is God, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death to pay for the sins that separate us from our Heavenly Father. And if we'll put our trust in what Jesus did, we enter into relationship with our Father. And it's the beginning of a glorious journey. God has plans for you, a hope and a future. But we step into those plans, first of all, by a step of faith in what Jesus has done. So just pray this with me right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I believe he not only died, but he was raised from the dead. And he is Lord. He is Savior. Be my Lord. Fill me with your presence and help me live for you. I turn from sin. I turn from selfishness. And I turn to you, God. Thank you for receiving me as your child. If you prayed that, welcome to a life of continually pursuing more and more of the love and the goodness of God. God has great things in store for you and for all of us. And I want to encourage you again to be a part of this Teach Us to Pray series of, of not only being a part of the sermons each weekend, but being a part of that daily reading five days a week and that daily time of prayer. It will revolutionize your prayer life and that will change your world. God bless you as we pursue God together. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.